Hello and welcome to the Basis Podcast, Agronomy Matters. I'm Jay Prince, Business Development Manager at Basis. For this month's episode of the Agronomy Matters Podcast, we are focusing on nitrogen use efficiency. Nitrogen use efficiency has become a bit of a buzzword recently, but it can be regarded as something that is not easy to define. So hopefully today's podcast will help us understand nitrogen use efficiency a bit better and how we can use it to help improve our nutrient management in the future. Nitrogen use efficiency is also the topic for this year's Facts Online Assessment. Facts Online Assessment is something that all of our basis facts qualified advisors complete on an annual basis to help keep them up to date on some of the biggest or current topics. In addition to this, our advisors also continue their professional development throughout the year. And this is recorded through the basis professional register. Facts has great credibility within the industry and is recognised by farm assurance schemes, government regulators and environmental bodies. So if any of our listeners today need any nutrient management advice, then we have over 3,000 facts qualified advisors throughout the UK, all offering advice with the aim of optimising crop nutrition whilst protecting the quality of soil, water, air and farm diversity. And if any of our listeners are interested in becoming facts trained, then please do visit our website or contact me for more information. Please make sure you listen to the end of the podcast today to find out how to claim one CPD point for listening. So today we are joined by Jane Salter, Head of Environment Policy at AIC, Sajad Awan, the company agronomist at CF Fertilizers, who has the lead on research and development programs, including non-farm trials to help farms improve nitrogen fertilizer use efficiency, and Ali Grundy, the agronomy manager at NRM Laboratories, and also an independent advisor for farmers, offering advice on the sustainable use of nutrients from all sources. So we've got some great speakers with us today to really get an understanding of nitrogen use efficiency. So let's go and meet them. So hi, everyone. Hi, Sajad. Oh, hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. Hi, Jade. Hi, Jade. Hello. Hi, Hi, Ali. Hello. Sorry, jumping in. Thanks for having us. Thanks for all joining us today. Um, so we'll jump straight into to question one, which is uh, what is nitrogen use efficiency? And I think you're going to start us off on this one, please, Sajad. Yeah, sure. It means nitrogen use efficiency um, is defined in several different ways. Um, it depends who who is actually defined it. On, on a scientific term, I would say that this is the efficiency with which the soil Nitrate N is the is the most most abundantly available form of nitrogen that's converted into economically um, useful products like <clears throat> I would say grain, like tubers, vegetables, grass, and straw. So um, that's that's one way of defining nitrogen use efficiency. Another way, which is more I would say is is a practical way of looking at nitrogen use efficiency, is is the agronomic nitrogen use efficiency and this is probably more practical as as well because here it tells you that if you used one kilogram of nitrogen how many of how many kilograms of the product that you managed to achieve for instance you applied one kilogram of nitrogen and that gave you let's say 25 kilograms of grain so that is agronomic nitrogen use efficiency they all deal with the same thing that how well your crop was able to take up nitrogen um and um it can be calculated as i said they can be calculated as percentage or it could be calculated as kilogram of nitrogen used uh, per um kilogram of nitrogen used and how much of the product was produced as a result of that nitrogen that was applied it's it's a really simple way actually of just understanding the relationship between the total nitrogen input and the output and in its simplest terms backing up all the all the detail that Sajad's just talked about that's that's all it is it's a relationship between inputs against outputs absolutely brilliant thank you that's a perfect introduction thank you um, so now we think about what is the importance of nitrogen use efficiency. Why are we all here today? Why are we talking about it? And obviously, as well, this year it is the the choice topic for the facts online assessment. So maybe uh, Jane, if you don't mind starting us off as, as to the importance of nitrogen use efficiency. 
Of course, Jade, thank you. Well, this term has been brewing for a while in ac academic circles. Um, Ali will remember about mm. 15 years ago, a nitrogen expert panel was established to look at how this is calculated and how it works at a policy level, at a farm level and at an actual crop level. So it's a really good metric from which to measure progress. Um, and now policymakers are also talking about it. It's becoming common parlance. And um, because of that, the AIC and a group of other industry partners a couple of years ago set up a campaign with facts supporting it called the Achieving Farm Nutrient Balance Campaign. And the reason we um, launched that was because we wanted to encourage farmers and their advisors to take a proactive approach to achieving farm nutrient balance, making use of the metric nitrogen use efficiency um, to measure those improvements. So if we're going to deliver on that ambition, we need our farmers and advisors to be able to define what nitrogen use efficiency means on the ground, measure it, and then working together, set targets for improvement, um, working with that crop. and. Um, we know that uh, it's in future that the industry is likely to be judged on this metric, which is why we want to get the advisors trained to lead the process. And Ali uh, will also know that there's some discussion um, now around how farmers will be paid for nutrient management and the term nitrogen use efficiency, how to calculate it and how farmers might be funded to improve it in future is very topical. So I expect we're going to hear more about that when the new SFI um, nutrient management is published. And just by way of a specific example, in Scotland, um, Scotland introduced in its Climate Change Act a nitrogen balance sheet. They have to produce a nitrogen balance sheet and the way in which the nitrogen balance sheet will be changed over time is by using the metric nitrogen use efficiency. So we can see from all angles, it's, mm. you know, it's this seems to be the right time to introduce this training. Ali, you wanted to? Yeah, I just want, yeah, I just wanted to chip in there, Jane, because, you know, agriculture is going through a real sort of upheaval at the moment, isn't it? And nitrogen use efficiency and its description and its sort of integration with, within how we think about how we grow crops it's it's part of how um we we evaluate our strategies around nutrient management planning and for a lot of people that needs a huge shift in our behavior and our mindset and for us to start thinking about agriculture and production as the same side of the coin in terms with nature and the environment, because it is the same thing. And I think I MUE just fits in, it's, you know, fits into all that narrative. Um, and as advisors, agronomists, farmers, we've all got our part to play, haven't we, to help this upheaval integrate as easy as it can be into our everyday decision making. Um, so it's, it's very important and the pressure is on. But as a, the industry that we are, we can deliver. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It means something that I would like to add is that because after fertilizer prices, the volatility, some day they are low, other days they really high. So it, it makes perfect sense to utilize nitrogen in a way where every granule that we have, it pays for itself and we we benefit from it because most of the arable systems or even the agricultural systems, if you look at them, nitrogen is the single most important element which can be deficient in most cases. And we need to apply it. Why we need to apply it is because um, it's an essential part of amino acids, proteins, um, all the enzymes, uh, nucleic acids like DNA and RNA. And if it's not sufficiently available, that means that the crop will not grow as well as you would have expected. But 
The flip side is, if we over-applied nitrogen, that means that some part of it will not be used by the crop, and it will end up into into the system. For for instance, it, it could lease down as nitrate, or it could go as um, ammonia or nitrous oxides. So we we got to play a wider role, not just on economic basis, but also on environmental basis. Absolutely. Yeah, nature and agriculture are the same side of the coin. They're not mutually exclusive of each other. So it's how can we be as productive as we can whilst and harnessing those elements of nature that we need to produce food, but also thinking about all the other parts of the environment that actually require protection and, um, you know, our help, our help, basically. So it's it sounds daunting, but the skills are out there. It's just tapping into them and thinking about how we use inputs in a slightly different way, basically. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. So from what you've all said there, it sounds like we'll be hearing more about nitrogen use efficiency as we move forward. Jane touched on there the the importance with regards to SFI payments. So if that's not reason enough for people to start sort of thinking about uh, nitrogen use efficiency, could you maybe just, you've obviously mentioned a few there, but if you could just summarise for us the main benefits of increasing nitrogen use efficiency, why people should care, why they should start um, taking this on board. Absolutely. I mean, what drives efficiency is economics. And Sajad principally touched on this earlier on. So the price of fertiliser generally has, you know, it's, wow, no one really could believe the heights that it got to. So from an economic perspective, that has driven the thinking from a lot of growers and advisors about, well, we have got to cut back. There is a technical requirement. Um, look, um, um, applying nitrogen to the economic optimum, which has significantly reduced since price increase last last autumn. So NUE immediately improves because of this, um, because of the economics driving application rates down, and. Farmers then looking for alternatives, looking to value the supply from the soil, looking to value the nutrients coming from other sources, from compost, from organic manures, from other sewage such, all these other fabulous resources that we apply to our land that deliver nitrogen. We now start to value them in a whole different way. And that really um, benefits NUE because we minimise, we start to minimise the surpluses, the risks of using other alternatives other than nitrogen fertiliser. So that is a major benefit. We are looking at the surpluses and hoping to um, reduce those surpluses. Um, yeah, I don't know whether, Sajad, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, sure. means. If we are looking at nitrogen use efficiency, the, the typical values that we use in the UK, we say that generally people are anywhere around 60%. But our results at CF, I mean, the data that we gathered from um, large-scale um, research that we did um, over the past couple of years, it, it clearly shows that if you improved your nitrogen use efficiency from 60% to 70%, in some cases, not all cases, depending on where you are on the economic curve, you can actually, by improving those 10% in NUE, you can get around a ton or even higher grain yield. And this could be, in nowadays, that could be a game changer, for instance, because of the grain prices, very high grain prices, typically, and very high fertilizer prices, it all values, it all helps to improve. It, it, it all takes us to the same point, improve it and improve it. Absolutely. Economics and, and the environmental benefits are huge um, just through 
a bit more attention to detail in terms of um, looking at your nutrient management plan in light of how can I change my strategy to um, to improve our NUE for maybe 50%. I mean, there's a lot of farms below 50% recovery Absolutely. and utilisation of, of, of nitrogen. Um, so if we can improve that by 10%, to get into this the, the, the midway bracket, 10, 20%, that's a huge amount of money saved and um, reduction in potential losses to the environment, which, you know, we, which we need to reduce. We've got to address that. Yeah, definitely. It means the environmental bit is, is quite important as well. It means ammonia losses, for instance, and nitrous oxides, um, they are the key players um, when we talk about the air pollution and these particular matters, um, they can travel tens or hundreds of miles away from where they're produced. They can go into atmosphere, they react with other gases into the atmosphere and they produce those molecules which can cause serious health implications, means cardiovascular diseases, respiratory diseases, people having asthma, asthma. So all these issues which we see now, I know that it's not solely from agriculture, but they do come from agriculture, especially ammonia. Definitely comes more, most of the ammonia comes from agriculture. So we can um, play our part by improving nitrogen use efficiency by reducing the losses into atmosphere. Definitely, yeah. Perfect. So I think we're going to go a little bit more technical now and try and think about how we would actually go about calculating nitrogen use efficiency on farms. So, you, Sajad, you mentioned some figures there, and Ali, 50%, 60%, 70%. How does a farmer or landowner know what percentage there they are on farm? He has to do a bit of measurement, I'm afraid. <laughs> So, I mean, basically, how you calculate NUE is just as we said earlier, it's the input in the harvested products against your output, basically. Did I say that the right way around? The output in your harvested products over your input. So we need to um, we need to assess how much nitrogen is coming from the soil for start off. And you can measure that really quite easily. Um, and we need to measure or know how much nitrogen fertiliser we're going to be applying. We need to understand how much um, nitrogen is coming from other sources. And all these three sources of nitrogen should make up the crop requirement, the crop end demand. So once we've got our inputs, then... At the end of the season, we can quite easily measure the outputs by how much grain we've produced. So the kilogram of nitrogen or unit of N per unit of grain produced. And you usually express it, as I, such as I said earlier, as a percentage or a proportion, basically, of, of one over the other. So, and I think the range, the accept, acceptable range is between 50 and 90 so if you think, you know, you're recovering between 50% and 90% of the nitrogen that you've supplied through all your different sources within the unit of, of grain or litre of milk or kilogram of meat. So that's generally how how you measure it. And it's so you, you need to measure your nitrogen content of your grain. Um which is very easy, easy, easily, easy to do. Um, and once you've got these values, you can then look at that against your input. Absolutely, Ali. Yeah, I means um, just to add a few bits um, into into the mix. Actually, is is the availability of nitrogen, and this is something which is to me at CF is is a very valuable thing because it's the base. If you measured, as Ali mentioned earlier, measured it, try to measure as accurately as you can because we know the figures now and um, and MinTest, which is 
which measures additionally available nitrogen, um, that that clearly it shows that the values, the accuracy could be as high as 80% in that case. So, it, for instance, just for example, that if you measured um, by ordinary means, let's say through RB29, um, you found that it's 50 kilograms of nitrogen in your soil, but if you went an extra step and you measured using um, additionally available nitrogen, it could be 80 or maybe 100 kilograms. So that means that we are actually missing a chunk of nitrogen which is present in the soil, which would be released over the season. So that's one thing. The second most important thing in, in this category is the availability of nitrogen from organic materials because we need the value of organic materials now is never as important as it was previously because of high fertilizer prices. So what we need to, to look into is that you measure, you get all of your sources of availability of nitrogen, then you look into how much fertilizer nitrogen that you need to apply. And then um, once you have got everything done, you assess. You go into the field, crop walking, um, you go into the field, early in the season and assess the situation because every year is different. So if you achieved 80% nitrogen use efficiency last year, it does not mean that you will still achieve 80% this year as well because the weather conditions, they highly variable and due to weather, NUE could massively change. So go into the field, measure how much, assess the situation and accordingly apply your, your nitrogen. If it's too dry, Make sure that you apply just before the rainfall that there is no volatilization or there are no losses or even before heavy rainfall. It shouldn't be applied. Only apply when the conditions are right. So that's, that's one, one aspect. The second aspect I think Ali did mention, but just to add a, a bit more is the harvest index. How much of the grain that you got? Means that, that's very important. So the grain nitrogen measurement, for instance, you need to normalize. So people may have, or in my experience, I've seen from our trials that some people had 87% of dry matter and some people had 83 or 84%. And if you normalize them, then they, they, they could be massive implications in, in terms of your nitrogen use efficiency. So just normalize, for instance, for, for wheat, around 85%. And for all seed rape, 91%. Of, of, of dry matter and then calculate how much of nitrogen you used, how much was there. For instance, let's say that the amount of nitrogen that you harvested is 270 kilo and the amount of nitrogen that was available, available nitrogen, let's say was 350. So 270 mm -hmm. divided by 350 and you, you got your number. So, and, and that's how you calculate your, your nitrogen use efficiency in simplest terms. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to say the variation between um, different farms, different management strategies, different crops, soil types, end source. Um, there's like lots of different um, factors which impact on it. So I think that, um, you know, trying to compare your position with an next door neighbour is, is probably not that helpful. Um, I think you need to look at your system and try to benchmark your different crops and look at NUE over the whole rotation because it helps you to look at which are the really poor performers, which crops are you growing where your efficiency is really quite poor and look at that because that will over the whole rotation bring your NUE down if you've got one crop which is particularly poor at sort of recovering Absolutely. nitrogen. So I think looking at it, once you've got to grips with calculating it, which is not, it isn't difficult, but don't take one year in isolation because you've got lots of different impacts, as subjects just said. Look at it over the rotation <laughs> and to compare, maybe you've got different soil types across the farm. You could try and partition different blocks of ground off, which you might run slightly different rotations actually and try and confine it to um certain parameters um over the over that that cropping area 
Um, because I think once you start sort of looking at things on an annual basis, whilst it gives you an indication, I think it might be a bit misleading um, just because of all the externalities that are applying to that productive year, which, you know, might end up with your NUE being poorer or greater than what you'd sort of anticipated. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So you, the way you've explained it there is really, really good. And like you said, Ali, once you get your head around it, um, it is quite straightforward. But you do, uh, from my point of view, you do need to sort of sit down and, you know, and spend a bit of time getting your head around it. And for some people, maybe that is a little bit overwhelming. So I'd just like to add that, you know, that's what our facts qualified advisors are there for. Um, so if any of our listeners um, do find that a bit overwhelming and need a bit of help or assistance with that, then you can reach out to our to our facts qualified advisors. And I think you wanted to add something, Sajad? Yeah, I mean, I just realised that um, something that I, sh- I, I should have said earlier, it, it, the, the importance of data on a farm, mm-hmm. as you were talking about, and then I realised, yes, yeah, so we need to mention here, data is the most valuable piece of information a farmer has. So please do utilise it. So every single year worth of information that you have, it does not cost a lot. You you store it and you go back every, let's say, five years in a row. So you've got five-year rotation, as Ali was mentioning. But you look at each year, what happened? How could you have improved? Whether you would have applied differently or different source or different time, or maybe one crop does not fit under your environment if you... If you struggle with, let's say, milling wheat, why not feed wheat? Or similarly, feed barley, for instance. So data is the most crucial piece of information. And I I would highly recommend to to make use of it, not just store it, make use of it on an annual basis. One thing, actually, as well, which none of us have mentioned, is that nitrogen doesn't just work on its own, you know, There's all the other elements in the system, the basics, which I'm afraid whenever I talk about getting the basics right, it's pretty boring, really, because, you know, it's not some sensor or some really whizzy bit of measurement that you can do. But the basics are absolutely so critical to getting your NUE up. Um, if your pH is, isn't optimal, if your P, K, magnesium, all your other trace elements, if you're not putting sulfur on, all these other nutrients, actually, they're the stars in the, in the nitrogen use efficiency show. Because if those aren't all in balance and all aren't there in adequate supply, well, nitrogen doesn't work as hard, basically. And you don't get your bang for your buck. So that's really important, I think, that we shouldn't lose sight of. All, I mean, it's fabulous. Um, you go to all the shows at this time of year, there's all robotics, there's all every type of sensor. You can sense everything, it seems, at the moment. But those are marginal gains in my book. Those are when you've got everything else right. Those are the marginal gains that these technologies deliver. That's how you get your money back from them. So just don't forget the basics. Get your cultivations right, get your soil structure, get your soil organic matter, pH, pK, magnesium and your other trace elements. Mustn't forget sulphur. Um, those are so they're so critical to this to this discussion. I can't say they, they, they don't have nitrogen in the name. You know? No, definitely, Ellie. I, I think that's that's a very good point to raise again. And um, I hope you don't mind, Jade, going in a bit more detail. Actually, is it is the phosphorus P and K? So indices having indices right. For instance, we have seen over the past five six years, the autumn have been not the last year actually. Um, <laughs> if you go slightly before that time, autumn has been particularly wet. And if you were unable to establish your crop well, no matter how much nitrogen you apply or even sulphur, you won't be able to achieve high nitrogen use efficiency. So phosphorus, especially for establishment, for root establishment, is, is very important. And then, as Ali said, it's, it is the sulfur and, and, and potassium. 
Um, and one other important element into all of this is we all talk about application of nitrogen fertilizer. We should not lose sight of, of its impact on pH. Um, and when we apply lime, for instance, lime is a wonderful, I always say this is one of the best things that you could do on your farm, is that having your pH right through liming also helps you to improve your soil structure because calcium in there, it's, it's a cation, just like, you know, um, potassium, magnesium. Um, and and calcium, actually, it, it gives a structure, soil and aggregation. So the soil can structure itself where the roots can penetrate. Um, so all of this would help to improve nitrogen use efficiency. Absolutely. Brilliant, thank you. So you've mentioned already a few a few reasons why um, we can't really calculate a nitrogen use efficiency figure and then compare it to our neighbours. Um, but why is that? Is, I know that there's things that sort of affect nitrogen use efficiency that the farmer can't change, like soil type, weather. Do you want to touch on that a little bit more for us, Jane, at all? Or are you happy with the comparisons we've made? Yeah, I think so, Jade. Um, in terms of benchmarking between the, this isn't what nitrogen use efficiency is about, especially when we start to equate it with um, nitrous oxide emissions and the net zero conversations. We mustn't get into be comparing farming systems or between farms. It's not about passing the buck to the next farming system or the next farm. It's about everyone doing their bit. It's a change in, in changing outlook, really. So um, we're quite keen that we use nitrogen use efficiency as a tool for for the specific purpose of creating change, not for comparison. Brilliant. So I've heard both sort of maximising nitrogen use efficiency and optimising nitrogen use efficiency. And it'd be good if maybe we could just talk about what the difference is between those those two sort of phrases. Go ahead, Sajak. So, Mintia, I can, I can go with it. I can start <laughs> off with it. So, optimizing not to use efficiency and maximizing. So, there is a subtle difference between the two. Um, Jane earlier mentioned about the expert panel, um, EU expert panel on nitrogen. So they've got some excellent publications, actually, and some of the information that they, they've, they've shown. So when we say optimum, optimum will, will be variable depending on field to field, one field to another because of the soil type, because of the soil biology, um, you know, the shading and the slope. There's so many factors. So even the fields differ. So farm will definitely differ in terms of the not to use efficiency. So optimizing means that you would have the maximum amount of output with the minimum amount of input. Minimum means that you don't want to uh, reduce your your output, for instance, because you would have highest nitrogen use efficiency probably at when you apply one kilogram of nitrogen. But, you know, essentially you would only have around 40, maybe 50 percent of your normal yield. So have look at the economic optimum curves and see where you lie, whether 25 to 30 kilograms of variations or variability could improve your nitrogen use efficiency. So optimization is different from maximization. So back to expert panel, what they suggest is that there is a limit to what to where you could go. And that limit is, according to them, means there isn't a lot of data available from scientific literature. But what that points to is that if you go above 90 percent, of nitrogen use efficiency, then they use our term called nitrogen mining. So you remove so much of nitrogen from your soil that actually it can start degrading. Now, it, it makes perfect sense why it would degrade, because we know that soil bacteria, soil biology bacteria, archaea, fungi, all these microorganisms, they feed on nitrogen. And with the current change in, in, in the practice like regenerative agriculture, uh, mentil, for instance, what's happening is that we're adding a lot more carbon into our system. So 
and we should not lose sight of carbon to nitrogen ratio. So when we remove, let's say my previous example, if we removed 270 kilogram of nitrogen from our system, that means that that soil has given that nitrogen from somewhere. And if we continued mining, so above 90%, so if we continued nitrogen mining, eventually we reach a stage where we have reduced, we degraded the soil in terms of biology. So these mineralizing bacteria, which which make organic nitrogen into uh, inorganic forms, which are easily taken up by the plant, they we might reduce the numbers, their colony size. Implications would be that eventually we we may not, even with the application of higher doses of nitrogen, we may not be able to get to our but, you know, maximum or optimize the nitrogen use efficiency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We don't want to damage the health of the soil, which is effectively, you know, like NUE can't indefinitely keep increasing, you know, um, because as Sajad said, I don't want to repeat what he's just said, but basically we need to keep some harmony within the soil biological functioning if the soil biology has got no food source, well, then, you know, it's day to day functions, which mean we have a healthy soil, which mineralizes nitrogen and other nutrients. You know, they, that just reduces. So this soil mining, whilst, you know, we might be really delighted that we have managed to calculate 110 or 100 percent NUE in the long term, that's not sustainable. NUE is all about sustainable use of nitrogen and nutrients. And, you know, we've got to leave some food for the bugs effectively. That's ultimately, so we don't want, you know, consistently over 100% NUE because you end up shooting yourself in the foot then. In layman's terms. (laughs) Beautifully said, Ali. Yeah. (laughs) Leave some for the bugs. That's the idea. (laughs) 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 they need us (laughs) brilliant I think that's covered that question off really well actually so we've we all hopefully know sort of what NUE is now the benefits um, that you know we can gain by improving nitrogen use efficiency we know how to calculate it hopefully people can go away and have a bit of a a look further into that and obviously now we want to try and optimise nitrogen use efficiency so could we talk a little bit about how we would go about doing that? So we've gone, we've got our figure. How are we going to go about improving that? What can we do with organic manures, with fertilizers, Sajad, if you, if you might want to take that one, um, to try and improve that figure? What kind of things are we looking at? Yeah, sure. It means, yeah, we can actually spend a lot of time on this. This is a very important question and it, it, yeah, it, it requires a lot of things to mention here. First of all, organic manures, organic materials, um, as I said earlier, um, they, they, they're very crucial now because of the high fertilizer prices. Um, and their utilization is very, very important to it. One, that it will provide us all the nutrients, not just nitrogen, but also improve the soil structure, soil biology as well. So application of these manures and slurries is, is very important. Um, now, Rather than going into too much of detail, I only focus on highly readily available nitrogen. So generally we say anywhere which is above 30% of nitrogen, which is available, then we call it high readily available form. So if it's, if it's that category, means one thing, the way that we can improve nitrogen use efficiency in that term would be to match the application with the crop growth and development means because there is an awful lot of nitrogen which is readily available in these materials that means if we left it we applied it too early that means that it may not be taken up by the crop which could easily end up into into our um, aquatic systems or into our air into our atmosphere so that's that's one thing the second point here is that Rather than applying on the surface and leave it there, I think that it, it is very important that it should be injected into this. Somehow we either plow it in or inject it into shallow injection, for instance, into the soil. RB29 figures, they, they, they show that you can improve 
NUE, the availability of nitrogen, by around 10 to 15 percent if you applied um, by different means, especially with in terms of um, spring to autumn applications or with the surface application to shallow injection. Um, then we go to the fertilizers. So the timing, the rate, the sources. So again, there is a lot of information means depending on, on the year, depending on the weather. So you need to look out for means the last year. If you if you compare one year to another year, you would find it find the differences. We don't want to the springs with the climate change, they're getting drier and drier. And the first part that we apply, the first 60 to 70 kilogram of nitrogen that we apply, they are actually the, the most crucial um, nitrogen which would build up um, the crop yield. So the crop actually during that March-April time has already decided how much of grain I am going to produce in, in July or August because if there is any shortage, let's say even of um, water or nitrogen or pea or sulfur so the crop would say yeah so there there is an issue rather than having 10 tons let's go for eight tons it already has has decided so some of the tillers they might just simply uh, would not would not produce much so the timing of application very crucial then the source of application so we have seen and there is a lot of literature available we need to make sure we apply the source which is the best and which has got best economics and it also has got best in terms of envir environment because we don't want to lose as nitrous oxides on one hand we don't want to lose it as ammonia on the other hand so <laughs> And yeah, so I think I will give opportunity to other to speak as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's no nitrogen fertilizer, in my experience, is a silver bullet. One over the other. There's there's no superior choice. Let's let's say that they all have their shortcomings and they all have their advantages. So it's sort of a management decision, maybe financial decision on which nitrogen source you choose. One thing that I'd like to raise here is the nutrient management plan, RB209, actually working out what the crop demand is and crucially being prepared to change your plan dependent on weather conditions, um, you know, and, and the priority at the time, I think all too often we do a nutrient plan at the autumn before and we, I don't know why, but we, we, we don't want to change it. We don't want to deviate from the plan. And I think that's very important to recognise when you are not going to achieve an 11 tonne crop. And understanding that and scaling back your yield aspirations, because if you don't calculate um, your nitrogen input based on or your nitrogen supply based on a really sort of a, a yield which is realistic, well, then you're starting from a position of over application already. And I think, you know, that is really, really important. And recognising during the, the period of time that Sajad's described during March and April, are you going to achieve that high yield that everyone wants a high yield? But is on that particular field going to deliver it? And it's being brave enough to say, no, the yield potential's gone there for whatever agronomic reason, and I'm going to change it. And we're not going to put that last dose on. Or are we going to cut a third off? And going back to the timing and what's what's in the soil should determine, you know, when your first application is and how much you put on. And I'm a big believer in a more little and often approach because, you know, the crop is going to recover more of a smaller amount just mathematically, you know, and agronomically. Absolutely. You're going to get more of a smaller amount into the crop. So if you stick with this three or three split system, you know, um, where you're putting larger chunks of nitrogen on, you know, you're going to be 
you know, it's unlikely that you're going to recover all what you've put on. And we know with fertilizer terms that you never recover 100% of what you apply as fertilizer. So it's looking at attention to detail, the number of splits and timings. And I know that that impacts on management and time. You know, there's a cost in doing more than three applications. Um, but really, if we're serious about, you know, recovering much more nitrogen than what we're putting on in some, well, hopefully, or recovering the amount of nitrogen that we put on. We need to be getting a bit clever about how we supply the crop with it. Not Sajad, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, sure, Mint. Yeah, you reminded me of another thing, actually. <laughs> it, it's the recovery piece. Um, very important one. Means over the past couple of years, what what we have been doing at CF is, with the help of farmers, of course, that we are having we get in small pat, patches in a tram line. We cover it, cover the crop, and we do not apply any nitrogen on there. So you have no N applied nil N plot, small plot. And you've got a normal standard plot. And we look at how much nitrogen is actually recovered because you can easily, in the soil, the only variable now is your fertilizer. So you can look at having a nil plot, small plot, it, only two meter by two meter, we've seen it works perfectly fine. So two meter by two meter, cover it, and then and do the assessment, how much nitrogen was taken up by that four square meter plot and how much with the rest of the field. And make comparison, how much of nitrogen actually that you applied went into the grain. And it is such a fantastic way of, mm. of looking at the recovery of your fertilizer. And you can change your management practices on the basis of this small plot um, experiment or a trial on, on your own farm, in, in your own field. Absolutely. Nil plots show, show you so much about your soil nitrogen supply in the absence of fertiliser. You know, it it's just tells you a lot about the health of the soil and its ability to be able to supply in. And you need to, we need to crack that, basically, and be confident that if you measure nitrogen in the soil, that you're confident that that nitrogen will get into the crop. Um, and we assume that what we measure in the soil is 100% available. I mean, really, that's that's not strictly true, you know. Um, but that's the assumption that all the recommendations are based on. Um, so, you know, and I think probably about 85% of what you measure in the soil, the crop is likely to get hold of, which is slightly more than the fertiliser nitrogen that ranges from 60 60 up to 70% recovery. So that's important to understand and make sure you're applying fertilizers in mind of that, you know, if you put 100 kilograms on, you're never going to get 100 kilograms in that crop. You're only ever going to get, you know, between 60 and 75% of that application in the crop. So you, that just tells you how important it is to understand what the crop end demand is. And we're calculating what the recommendation is. And just another plug again for RB209, um, which is, you know, our nation's favourite. It's a good starting point at understanding what nutrients the crop will require in that season. So Absolutely. everyone needs to start with RB209, basically. Fantastic. Yeah, I must, I, I've got to admit that. Following doing the facts course, RB209 does stay by your side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even seasoned advisors and agronomists, you know, more people who would care to admit are frequently referring to RB209 because it's not just about the recommendations that it provides. It's all the other supporting evidence that that's around it that helps you understand why those recommendations have been arrived at. It's very, very important, you know, um, I'm part of the RB209 process and um, the, the skills and the knowledge that's gone in behind RB209, um, you know, it shouldn't be underestimated, I don't think. And I think it does get a bit of a, um, it can 
be, be talked about in a negative light. Um, nothing's perfect. No systems are perfect. But RB29 is the best starting point, in my view. I, I think, Ali, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, with 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 RB two and nine, I when I read it, I've I read it so many times over the past several years, um, and every time I read it, I find I learn something new. So <laughs> you could imagine how much information is packed in that book. So yeah, highly highly recommend that you start off with RB two and nine. Bit of bedtime reading for everybody <laughs> who's listening to the podcast. <laughs> if anyone is listening to the podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. So it seems to me it's maybe a little bit of just thought before people are going on making an application as to what they've you know, already got in their soil, what they need in their soil for the crop that they're growing, the way that they're going to apply it, the weather that's just been or is on its way um then obviously their timing and the source there as well so if people don't take this advice and, and don't go and try and improve nitrogen use efficiency are there any consequences to that obviously we already touched on pollution Sajad mentioned about air pollution there's also obviously water pollution that could be a consequence uh, obviously could be uneconomical as well and Jane touched on SFI payments in the future um yeah do you want to touch on that a bit more Sajad yeah, I mean, something, again, that I forgot to mention is the carbon footprint. Mm. Um, now, every single farm, no matter you're arable, you're mixed or grassland farmer, um, carbon footprint is the most important piece of information that you need to keep on your farm because the future payments um, would be based, it, it seems likely, especially with the carbon credits. So what we need to do is try to optimize our NUE, so our carbon footprint, because majority of the carbon footprint, if you look at the bigger picture, majority of the carbon footprint comes from the application of your nitrogen fertilizer. Um, so if we optimized our nitrogen use efficiency, that clearly means that our carbon footprint would also be um, I, I'm not saying that you will reach net zero, but I can say certainly say that it will be reduced. And we have um, seen in our trials, we did more than 50 trials worth of data that we had from last year. Most of the people who who applied nitrogen um, using the recommendations that we provided, using all the things that we discussed here, they managed to reduce their carbon footprint by 70 kilogram um, mm-hmm. per hectare. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a really good point, actually. You know, if you're reducing your nitrogen inputs because you're accounting for more nitrogen coming from other sources, well, then by default, you're improving your carbon footprint because you're just simply applying less. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad you touched on that, actually, because I love it when all of our podcasts start coming together so we've had a, a podcast about net zero obviously we've got this one about nitrogen use efficiency and we've had one about cultivations as well and you mentioned um sort of some cultivations earlier and when they all start coming together and you see the bigger picture as to how one thing is helping another it really does show you know the holistic view that we need to be taking go on jane yeah thank you jade i just wanted to um emphasize also how important nutrient management is to the national food strategy to the environmental targets that are being discussed at the moment Mm. and there there is a huge expectation for transformative change in nutrient management over the next 10 years this is not facts and some technical people talking about something that's dear to their hearts It, it will be a national strategy And uh, it's so important that government set up a nutrient management expert panel a couple of years ago. It's due to report soon on its recommendations. It will make it clear that we want a resilient agriculture here in the UK, um, but that we're not doing enough to reduce the losses um, from nutrients. Um, So we are to expect new policies and a greater emphasis on making better use of organic materials. And with that in mind, Sajad, I wonder whether the expectation is for greater recovery than the 15% you suggested earlier. I think the thoughts are from that nutrient management expert panel, they're scientists, by the way, that we could look at 40% recovery. 
and a further 40% recovery from the, from the organic materials. And with that in mind, they're seeing that re- that greater recovery will transfer into targets for water, etc. So it's this nutrient management discussion is quite central uh, to a lot of big things um, that this generation is facing around you know, using resources more effectively and considering how that relates to the environment we depend on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's a very good sign, Jane. Um, and again, that reminded me something else to mention, actually, is um, RB29 is, 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 a, it, it's got data set from hundreds, even thousands of trials and millions of data sets. So all these pulled together over the past 50 or 60 years, um, these are averages. So the, the figures that are mentioned um, in RB29 Section 2, the averages of, of the information, but I, uh, if you look at the recovery figures there, Jane, um, are we talking about 40%, 45% or probably maximum 50%? Yes, absolutely spot on. So you, there is a scope of improving those numbers by 30 to 40%, not a problem. Um, but, but the government has to ensure that there is enough technology available. First, that there is is information in terms of data set, empirical evidence coming from these are the ways that you can improve your organic materials, not to use efficiency. And here is, you know, a piece of kit which you can use or the information. So that the lack of information is is a serious issue. And the organizations uh, who are responsible, for instance, DEFRA, AHDB. So they need to look at these things so that, that people could push more. It means 40 to 50% recovery of nitrogen um, it, it is not great. We need to be aiming for higher. Means And, and, and there, there is a massive, massive scope. And absolutely not, not a problem. I think if, one thing to help with the recovery of nutrients from organic minerals, and of course it's not just nitrogen, it's other nutrients, is actually measuring organic minerals much more frequently. Taking samples ahead of application, making sure they're as um, representative as possible, knowing what you're putting on, because no RV209 um, characterises all different types of manures, but, you know, they are average nutrient contents. I think if if we can encourage farmers to spend a bit of money and actually measure the nutrient contents of the manures just before they're going to be applying them, that'll go a big way in in helping us get the application rate correct. Before, if we can improve um, um, how we apply the application techniques, that's also all these things as small gains that add up to being a big efficiency gain. You know, it's all these little steps which help us reach these targets that the government are talking about, as James just, just talked to. I think it's quite possible, more than possible, to improve um, the use of manures. Absolutely. I'm convinced of it. But we've just got to be a bit more strategic and be prepared to measure the stuff before we put it on. <laughs> and probably change the form in which you put it on as well, Ali, as well as using the smart technologies. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. More similar to the mineral. Yeah. Yeah, if that's available, it means, yeah, most of the organic materials available in the West and a lot of cropping in the East. So if we could transport the material mm. easily, that would be a massive help as well. I While I'm talking, I need to say another thing, um, which, um, yeah, I, I think is it, is pretty useful. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, the, it's the residual nitrogen. I'm a big fan of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's the nitrogen that you measure soon after harvest. So you harvest your crop, you go back in, in your field and you take a soil, soil test and determine how much nitrogen is actually left behind. So that is that would be residual nitrogen. So uh, again, the EU expert panel saying that anything between 30 to 50 kilograms must be left in the soil. So the 
the biology can feed on it and they can grow. But means we have seen information. I've, I've, I've seen the data where 150 to 250 kilogram of mm-hmm. nitrogen is still available. It means I would say that especially during very dry seasons. But these numbers are excessively high. Now, if that has happened, I know that there the, are the certain things which are beyond our control. Um, means the weather, for instance, rainfall is beyond my control. So I apply nitrogen, no rainfall. What do I need to do? So let's say the nitrogen still stay behind. I can easily, after harvest of my this crop, I can grow a cover crop to mop up. So any nitrogen which would be lost otherwise between, let's say, August and September or even October time, we can make use. So grow uh, your cover crop so that that will retain the nitrogen which would have otherwise gone to um, either would have leached away or lost as, you know, volatilized or, you know, as nitrous oxides. Mm-hmm. Um, three things, three words. So um, I think they, they sum the thing, the whole thing up very nicely is is measure, um, monitor and manage. So if we did these three things, we can easily achieve. I know they're, they're, they're quite a difficult thing, but if we did it over and over again, mm-hmm. I'm sure we are able to improve our nitrogen use efficiency sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And I think within SFI, cover crops feature quite significantly within the standards as an action that, you know, farmers joining the scheme would have to do. Absolutely. We, you know, I mean, and that, that nitrogen that, that that cover crop captures, you know, that's useful for next spring. You know, apart from all the organic matter that it's sort of um, introducing into the soil to help with the soil health and soil structure, it's delivering nitrogen again for the crop in the spring. So it's, Jay, just going back when you said everything's interrelated, and it is. There's, things don't work in silos. You know, it's all interrelated and it's getting our brains around that, I think, sometimes because you can get a bit of tunnel vision about one or two objectives that you want to achieve. Um, But achieving those objectives might be at the consequence of something else. So um, it's all trying to minimise, minimise our impact, basically, um, for the greater good of NUE. Definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I think you've all covered off uh, all of the questions really well today. I've got one final question, um, which is whether or not there's sort of an end point to NUE. So you've mentioned a number of figures and how we should be trying to in, you know, increase our nitrogen use efficiency. And then you've mentioned if, how we start going over 90 percent, we actually might be being a bit detrimental to ourselves. So is there an end point? Is there a point at which farmers, landowners can sit back and relax because they got to a certain percentage or is this something that's going to be ongoing? I think it's I think it's we need to look at it as at maintenance, you know, maintaining an NUE over rotation and it's looking for trends. You know, there's no absolutes in in this. You know, it's it's bucket chemistry at the end of the day that we're trying to manage. So over a rotation, let's try and aim for between this 50 and, and 90 and toward the, you know, more toward 90 than than just nipping over the border of 50, I think. And may, trying to maintain it and looking at general trends within years and across rotations. I think that's where we need to be focusing. Yeah, I mean, Ali, um, I, I, I would agree. Um, absolutely spot on. Um, I know this isn't a great news, but there is no end point to a good thing. So because <laughs> nitrogen use efficiency is a good thing, we're improving not just economic, the bottom line, we are also helping to improve our environment. Um, so the multiple benefits of, of nitrogen use efficiency. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, and it's been mentioned several times already, that it it's not just one crop for one year. So you need to look at, as Ali was saying earlier, is a whole rotation. And rotation could be three years, five years, seven years. And there are so many different crops in there that, you know, it, it could shift. It could be up. It could be down. But we need to learn from what we did. So having data available from your previous rotations 
as I said earlier, is very important um, because with the years, with the moisture, with the uh, with the temperature, with the sunlight, the nitrogen sequestration and the assimilation would be would would all be different, um, and we would have different NUEs. That does not mean that we can't achieve it. It means that one year could be very high NUE, the other year could be slightly lower. But we need to have a target and try to hit the target um, as many of the years in the rotation as possible. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you all for taking the time to join us today. Unless Ali wants one final plug of, of RB209, yes. I think. Uh... Always RB209. <laughs> Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> I think that's to so thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. I'd like to say a massive thank you to all of our speakers today. They've given us some fantastic insights in nitrogen use efficiency. I hope this podcast has provided some support to our facts qualified advisors for this year's online assessment. And hopefully it's also inspired many of our listeners to think more about nitrogen use efficiency on farm and how this can be improved going forward. Please remember that all of our FACTS qualified advisors are trained and able to help you with your nutrient management on farm. They continue their professional development annually by collecting points which are registered through the basic professional register. So please do reach out to our advisors for support on farm. If you're not already a FACTS qualified advisor and this is something you're interested in, then please do visit our website www.basis-reg.co.uk or contact me jade.prince at basis-reg.co.uk for more information. Claim your basis CPD point for listening today. Please visit the members area of the website, click submit CPD points and enter basis podcast NUE into both boxes before clicking submit. Thanks for listening and join us next time on Agronomy Matters.